What's up, nerds? Let's get thumping. Um, I'm sorry for that terrible uh, introduction. I'm Drew Dixon. I'm the chief content nerd at Love Thy Nerd, and let's let's look at Mark. Let's look at Mark two, starting at verse thirteen. This is one of my very favorite stories in the Gospels. Uh, so in Mark two thirteen, we read this: Jesus went out again beside the sea. The whole crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. Then passing by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the toll booth. So like a tax booth. And he said to Levi, follow me. And he got up and followed him. While he was reclining at the table in Levi's house, many, that's a fancy way of saying eating. He's eating a meal, he's eating at Levi's house. Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples. And there were many who were following him. When the scribes who were Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he told them, It is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Um, it's a beautiful story with a tremendous amount of beautiful truth for us that should shape how we think about our neighbors, how we live, how we love, how we serve, um, what it means to, to really follow Jesus and be Jesus' people in the world. Um, we're going to point out a few things that we see in this passage. First, Jesus's popularity is growing, right? There's these whole crowds that are following him. They're following him to the sea. Wherever he goes, they're crowding around him. It's difficult for Jesus to get in and out of spaces, public spaces that he's teaching in. So he's in the wilderness trying to avoid um, being overrun uh, and going out on the sea. But there's nowhere he can go where people aren't following him. His, his popularity is, is at a really high point. Um, if he were around today, we would say, man, like this guy is a world changer. He's a shaker. He's, he's an influencer. He's an influencer with a capital I. Like he's a big deal. And despite his tremendous popularity, he doesn't operate the way so many people who are popular today operate. And, and, and this has been true throughout the world, but we see it today, right? When someone's really popular, they have to be really careful about what they say and do because uh, the microscope is pointed at their life, right? And so, you know, there's this whole thing today with cancel culture. You know, if somebody does something that uh, we deem to be inappropriate or to be um, on the wrong, uh, you know, take a wrong stance on something or, or say something that's uh, derogatory or hurtful, like we, our, our culture can quickly turn on those people and they can become, um, you know, th their influence can slip away. Um that's true in Jesus' day. If you got on the wrong side of certain people, um, your influence could slip away pr pretty pretty easily. And uh, in the Jewish world, those people that you didn't want to get on the wrong side of were the Pharisees and the tax collectors. Um, but Jesus doesn't protect his influence the way we might expect. He's not on walking on eggshells around people. He's not being super careful about what he does in front and who he does it in front of. Um, and this is not to say that he ever did anything wrong. He never did anything wrong. But here we see him hanging out, clearly hanging out with the wrong type of people. His popularity has never been higher than at this point in his ministry. And he chooses to go and visit the toll booth. He chooses to go and hang out and visit and call to follow him a tax collector named, named Levi. This is a big deal because tax collectors were the worst <laughs> in, in in that day. I mean, Jews in the first century, they hated tax collectors. Why? Because these were the people that were taking money from Israel and giving it to Rome. 
these were people, um, many of the tax collectors were Jewish people who had turned their backs on Israel to work for Israel's oppressors. They were like traitors to the nation of Israel. Um, you know, it'd be like someone, um, you know, some other country taking over, over, over America, and then you go and bow the knee to them and work for them to to take from your people, right? Let's like work for the people who are persecuting you. Um, it was a big no-no. And yet that's exactly what Jesus does. He goes and hangs out at a tax collector's house. Um, another thing we see in this uh, story, and I think it's important to note that we know a little bit more about this, his interaction with Levi from the Gospel of Luke, but we know from Luke that this what when Jesus Jesus immediately transitions from calling Levi to following him to go and eating in his house. That's clear here in Mark. But when we read in Luke, we find out and we, we find out too here in Mark there's hints that this is more than just going over to someone's house for dinner because there's lots of sinners and tax collectors there, right? Uh, but we know from Luke that Levi held a grand banquet. That in other words, um, Jesus was invited to a party. And because Levi held a grand banquet, you know who he invited? He invited his friends. And if you're a tax collector, you know who your friends are? Other tax collectors. But not just that, people who are quote-unquote sinners. Now, we know everybody's a sinner in one sense, but that term was probably denoted people who were not looked particularly highly upon, people who were involved in some other maybe shady activities. Um, tax, tax collectors in the first century, among the Jews anyway, had a reputation for taking more than they were supposed to, for bending the rules for their own gain. Um, and so they probably knew other people that were doing similar types of things. But anyway, it's clear that the people around Jesus were not approved by by the religious leaders of Jesus' day. These were, these were not good people to hang around with. Um, and so, uh, but Jesus embraces this moment. Jesus isn't embarrassed to hang out with people who nobody else likes. Jesus isn't afraid of losing his influencer status to hang out with people who are on the outskirts, who are on the margins, who weren't welcome, who were um, viewed as the worst sort of people. Um, so this debunks, I think, a common myth among many Christians, and it's this, that hanging out with broken people will make you more broken. The hanging out with messed up people will make you more messed up. The hanging out with sinful people will immediately make you a more sinful person. I think that's how we think. You know, don't drink or smoke or chew or hang with those who do. Um, and I think that's a common thing that's been taught in the church throughout the years. But listen, it's not just something that's taught in the church. This is something that's embodied in our culture right now in many ways. And we talked about earlier about cancel culture. Um there's a very big pressure, even outside the church today, to be careful who you associate with um, politically, who you associate with, associate with politically, who you associate with in terms of their views on all types of things. Um, that can get, get you in trouble real quick if you hang out with the wrong sort of people. And our culture will investigate, right, to make sure you're not hanging out with the wrong sort of people. And if you are, you could quickly lose your influence. Um, but that's not what we exist to do. We don't just exist to be influential and powerful and well-loved and respected by the culture. What, what is our purpose in the world? Our purpose is to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. That's the greatest commandment. And that's where Jesus excelled. I've said this again and again in this study of Mark, but I believe that Jesus in Mark's gospel and in the gospels as a whole is showing us what it truly means to be human. Jesus is the one true human. 
he's the one person who finally got it right, what it means to be human. Now, Jesus is fully God and fully man, but it's important that we understand he's demonstrating for us, this is what humanity should look like. This is God's intention. Jesus is finally living out God's design and intention for human beings. And part of that is reframing or recapturing or redefining how we think about our self-worth. Jesus is demonstrating for us here that other people don't have to make you a worse person. Hanging out with broken people doesn't have to make you more broken. Hanging out with messed up people doesn't have to make you more messed up. You, as an image bearer, as a renewed and resurrected image bearer of God, you have the potential to make the lives of the people around you better. You have the opportunity to step into the world of broken people and help them find healing and hope. Don't see yourself as this person that can't go anywhere or do anything. Now, please don't hear me say I'm telling you to put yourself in situations where you know you'll be deeply tempted into to sin. I'm not suggesting that you go, um, you know, hang out uh, at an adult uh, film store uh, or, or something like that or go to a uh, you know, an adult film convention or something and go, you know, there's people that, there's Christians that do that, that go and pass out Bibles in those spaces. And man, I think that's amazing that they can do that. But um, not all of us can without, you know, being deeply tempted and, and perhaps even giving in. So I'm not suggesting that you do those sorts of things. But what I am suggesting is that we need to reframe and, and rethink this idea that we there's so many people in the world that we can't go near or hang out with because they'll make us worse. Jesus is giving us hope and helping us see our potential. Jesus wasn't phased by these tax collectors. He wasn't afraid to go to a party that was full of tax collectors and quote-unquote sinners. He stepped into those places believing that he could make a difference for the, in the, good, of their, for the good of their lives, for, to give them hope and purpose, and for the good of the world. Um, in fact, he takes this moment as the Pharisees hate him and despise him for hanging out with tax collectors to say, yeah, but that's exactly why I'm here. I came to hang out. You know, why are you eating with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus heard this and he told them, it is not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus has the power to reframe the hope and the purpose and the joy of all kinds of people. And we who follow Jesus, we who are Jesus' people, have the power through him, through him, to step into the lives of broken people and give them hope. You have the potential to make the world a better place, to make the world around you a better place, to give hope and healing, uh, provide hope, provide healing, provide guidance, provide direction uh, to the people around you. Don't see yourself as this person that, you know, can't step into in, can't step into any into all kinds of relationships because you're you're too weak. Um, know your know your weaknesses. Know know the situations that you probably don't need to step into, but don't be afraid to to build relationships with with broken people. If you're afraid to do that, there's very few people you'll ever actually have meaningful relationships with. And relationships are so key to who God designed us to be and how he designed us to live in the world, and how he wants to use us to make a difference for his glory and for his kingdom. Jesus came for the sick, not for the righteous, but for sinners. Um, so that means he came for you, that means he came for me, that means he came for all of us. Um, no one's a lost cause, right? Um, 
you know, I mentioned cancel culture earlier. I want to say, like, look, when people cross lines and say things that are damaging uh, to other image bearers and that demean the worth of other people, like, we should take that seriously. There should be consequences. Please don't hear me saying that no one should uh, be held accountable for the damaging and and, and hurtful things they say and do. Um, I think the Bible would would affirm that there needs to be consequences for those things um, socially, and that there there need to be we need to hold those people accountable. So that, but not for the purpose of writing them off and crushing them, but for the purpose of helping even those people get better. That's where our culture gets off the rails. I think is that there's no plan for for helping those people repent, for helping those people return to to living in a way that's going to promote the good of others and that's going to honor other people's dignity. Um, that's where cancel culture runs amok, for sure. Um, that's where it's a really problem. No one is a lost cause. We're called to love absolutely everyone. I think Jesus would have looked for ways to go and hang out with and challenge the thinking and the, the way people are living of those who'd been canceled. I think he would. And I think we should too. Um, there's no one we get to write off as being, hey, you're not worthy of Jesus' love. Because if that were true, we could say that about ourselves based on various things we've done. There's things you've probably done in the past that if people knew about them, you could be canceled right now too. And the same is true for me. So we need to live out the love of Jesus by looking for ways to love absolutely everyone. What does that look like for you? I can't spell that out for you, but I think that would be worth pursuing and worth thinking through and taking a practical step to say, I'm going to love someone this week who doesn't seem very lovable, who's not being loved by anyone else. I'm going to think about a way that I can step into, the ro- into their world with the hope of Jesus. Not afraid that I'll be made worse by them, but with the hope that through me, because I'm in Christ, because of Jesus, that maybe their life be- might be made a little bit better. Your self-worth is defined by Jesus, and he wants to use you. He wants to use you to make the world around you better for his name and for his glory and for his kingdom. It's exciting. It's such a a glorious uh, task and and mission that Jesus gives and shares with us. Let's do it. Let's engage in it. Thanks for your time. Please, if you hear me say anything this week, hear me say this. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you, nerd.